Welcome back to The Exchange by Evolution, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders. I'm Liana and I help connect businesses with tech talent and today I'm your host. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the topic AI, stop or continue. Joining me for the session is David Hardoon, CEO of Avoitus Data Innovation. Um, and before we get into the discussion, just a quick disclaimer that all thoughts and views spoken by any of the speakers or myself are only representative of each individual and not that of their company. So yeah, thanks David for, Thank you for um, being here and welcome to the podcast. Um, shall we start with you know some introductions first? Maybe you could you know tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, it's always a bit difficult in terms of where do you begin? Because um, at times I may go too far back, you know, when I was a baby. No. <laughs> um, so I guess long and short of it is I'm a data guy. I, I fell in love with the field of data when I was 16 years old, actually, uh, when I was sent to detention. You know, true story, I uh, ended up finding a book called Prologue, which is about logic, programming of logic. And I absolutely fell in love with this concept of, wait a second, you can program logic. One thing kind of led to another. Ended up uh, studying in it, doing a PhD in it, also known as a permanent head damage. Um, and been doing this for the last many, many years across different forms of industry, consultancy, software, services. And now with Avoidus, um, effectively leading the tranche of how to monetize data across the industry. Okay. Um, but okay, I think um, interesting to know that it came from a detention. So yeah, I guess um, getting into trouble sometimes works out. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, the topic today is quite an interesting one. So I think let's just get into it. And um, with the first question, so the first question is, you know, should companies invest in AI? Why or why not? Well, coming from the field of AI, I mean, a, a natural bias inclination would be like, absolutely, they have to invest. But if we kind of take a neutral view to it, I think it extremely depends on the context. What do I mean by that? If you're going to make, and what is usually a significant investment, it's absolutely critical or crucial to operationalize. Operationalize mean is that unless you're a research institution or doing research, is whatever investment you have in terms of people, whatever in terms of technology, in terms of new processes, is how does it go out of the sandbox? How does it go out from the proof of concept, the pilot, the experimentation to something that truly delivers value? And quite frankly, when you think of a business, it translates to one of three things. Well, services or revenue, operational efficiency, and risk management. Yeah. Okay. And... Um... I mean, with that context and everything, right? So what are some, I mean, I guess leadership would come a big part into it because it's pretty high level things, right? So um, is there any particular advice that you have yeah. for these people? So with that note, the way I always like to start, so like I said, I've, I've, I've came from the different dimensions of data, you know, from, yeah. from a consultant, from this all the way to being house and kind of running it now within uh, the group. And the starting point is, why do you want to do it? I've been in countless meetings whereby the first question that is posed to me, David, how can we use data? Or David, how can we use AI? Or now, you know, chat GPT or yeah. whatever flavor of the day, actually, not even, not even the month. And quite 
frank, frankly, if I, if I may be really honest, that's the wrong place to start. Hmm. Um, not that we don't need it, not that we don't, we shouldn't focus about those possibilities. But why I'm saying that's the wrong place to start because it's critically important for leaders to go well. What is the goal? Like I was mentioning earlier, is it about operational efficiency? Is it about an existing problem that we're trying to fix? Is it about a new opportunity that we're trying to unlock or, or further expand? What is it that is driving the necessity? And then, and I, I don't mean this to being a troublemaker, and perhaps my little story of being the tension is perhaps a <laughs> sad, bad precedent for that, but why? When you say to me, David, I, I, I want to solve this problem. Okay, why? You know, is it is it is it because it is having a significant impact on your bottom or top line? Is it because your customer is unhappy? Is it because it's just taking a lot of time? And the reason why I'm saying that is because then you're able to distill it down to: Should we even do it? Should we reinvent it? Should we invest? How much should we invest? And then finally, it's the how. It's the application, the techniques, the methodology. You know, all that good stuff that gets people like me extremely excited. But that would be my absolutely strongest advice. And it's difficult. It's difficult because, I mean, unless you're doing this on a regular basis or unless you're keeping uh, abreast with what's happening in the news and the technology, you're seeing, hey, this company is, is, is investing in it and wow, they're making so much money. So we need to do that as well. It's really important to kind of not jump that gun and go like, yes, we want to do it. What? Why? And then how? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So... I mean, now that you mentioned, you know, why do you, should you even invest in AI and things like that, right? So do you think there's a particular industry that is more well-suited for AI adoption? Well, that's a, that's a bit of a tough question because if you think again what AI is, and, and maybe it's worthwhile spending a minute or two on that, is an extraordinary capability to extract knowledge out of information. It's not even data, out of yeah. information. So when you put that present, every business, in my view, is dependent on data, is dependent on information to, to, to make a decision, to interact, engage. So every indus industry can do it. Now, to your question, the ones which are more suited, perhaps it's a question of which are the ones that can be more heavily reliant on AI or more dependent on AI. That's when I would say it kind of really depends. And I, I know I'm throwing this again, this term of the context, for example, in the world of healthcare. Yeah. I strongly believe there's a lot of opportunities of AI in healthcare. Having said that, it's a very high touch, it's a very personal, it's a very potential high risk. I mean, it's about you and who you are. You wanna make sure that it's contextually applied so that whatever that investment is, it is starting off perhaps more on the backend operational about creating a more streamlined experience rather than here is an, you know, a, a chat GPT doctor. Even yeah. if it can be done, you may not want that. Then on other areas whereby, let's say in the world of finance, I mean, it, to me, the world of finance, if you haven't yet applied AI, hurry up. <laughs> That's all I can say. Hurry up. So you see my point. It's, it's kind of really that element. And then maybe just very briefly, and the final one is operational. So be it be a, you're a manufacturing plant or immigrations. Now, that's a bit of a, you know, a toss up. Yeah. On the one hand, you want to see this, oh, well, you can get so much efficiency, we can get streamlined, we can use things like, you know, facial recognition. But then we, we must not forget that, again, we're human. And there always needs to be the human touch. So it's a balance. That will kind of answer the question of where do you invest and how much do you invest and to what you, you know, vigorousness do you invest in, in it.
Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, now with AI being everywhere, it's this big buzzword. It's like the biggest buzzword in tech <laughs> right now. Um, do you think it's something that might become? I'm not sure if you know about like greenwashing. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Do you think it's going to be like an AI washing that's coming soon, or is it already happening? Um. Ooh, well, I, I, I would. Okay. Let me put it this way. I very, very much do the best of effort that I can to mitigate AI washing. Now, unfortunately, there's been a lot of greenwashing. There's been a lot of blockchain washing. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of times it's a buzzword. So that's kind of why, uh, in what you know, I talk about what my organization I work with, you know, where I've been previously, and others, we constantly emphasize the term of why do you want to do? It? Mm. You know, again, what's the context? What's the purpose? It's, it's, it's not just a case of like, oh, okay, AI that is done, save the world. No, what is it that we're trying to do? Now, I thoroughly believe, and personally, we've. I've demonstrated in my previous roles. We're doing it right now. The immense value that they have, quantifiable value, mm. but that comes with focus, not just the case of, oh, AI, great. And they, I mean, I've spoken to so many people who say like, oh, I need to do some AI, and you ask them why, and they go like, oh, because my boss gave me this KPI. Yeah. Now again, nothing necessarily wrong with that, but there needs to be that you know scratching underneath the surface of like, yeah, but why? Mm. So yes, there's a risk. Um, I would like to see it avoided. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, you mentioned quite a bit about like investments aside yeah. from, you know, just the why. So what decisions should be made or like, do you have any advice with regards to how much investment should be sure. made or, you know, how should it be implemented? And are there any like, you know, emerging trends and yeah. developments? Now, 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 a lot of times people go like, you know, oh, we're, this is a special area or this is a special thing and this is why we need to pursue it. And of course, I would say, you know, I'm special, I'm kidding. <laughs> but AI, jokes aside, is unique. Mm. Um, unlike, let's say, traditional technology, whereby, let's say a camera, you, you spend so much money, invest in it, you know, it's going to give you this amount of lifeline. It's going to take photos. So it's very understood. Mm. Same thing, you know, this microphone in front of us or you buy a car, you know. It's very tangible in that sense. Now, AI is intangible in that it's a mechanism of, like I said, extracting um, knowledge out of information. Mm. How do you quantify that? Yeah. That becomes very, very difficult. And why, why am I bringing this up? Because usually when you think about companies and how they plan, of, okay, how much dollars and cents do we invest? The immediate question that comes up is, well, how much ROI are we gonna get back? Yeah. Now, you start seeing the difficulty. If it's a tangible object, you say like, well, this is the ROI. We know exactly we're going to get this, we're going to get that done. Now it's a question of how much do you want to invest? Now with AI, if someone says to you, oh, you're going to get 100,000, oh, you're going to get a million, how do you know? We haven't applied it yet. We haven't tried it. So the way I strongly recommend for people to consider, at least, again, this is not gospel, but to consider is treat, at, at least if you're at the early stages of AI, to treat the world of AI and data as going to school. Okay. Because when, and, and I'll explain, I'll explain, I'll explain. When you go to school, or when, you, when your parents go to send you to school, or when you, go, you decide you want to take another degree, or when you send your kids to school, you don't go and say, what's going to be the ROI? Yeah, yeah I'm going to send you to Oxford. Oh, are you going to give me back, you know, 10 times my return on my investment? No, it's we're investing in ourselves, or in our children, or in our loved ones, or in our colleagues, whatever it may be, in the pursuit of knowledge that would eventually translate in hopes to value, be it a career, a job, or just fulfillment in life. Yeah. 
that's AI. And I know that's a very difficult thing for an organization that says, yeah, but I need to be accountable for an investment. Saying, no, it's an investment. Whether you put 50,000, 500,000, or 5 million, take that as the bursary for your education over the next 18 months. That mm. worst case scenario, you go, done. We, we wrote it off, but we've emerged with a diploma. We've emerged with a PhD. We've emerged with more knowledge. Now, what will actually happen is I and I, well, yeah, we, you gave a disclaimer in the beginning, but I also said, I'm almost guaranteed is that within the 12, no, actually even earlier, the six, eight, 10 mark, you're gonna start seeing the ROI. And you're gonna go like, oh. And there are things that you would have never been able to imagine in the beginning because you didn't know. Yeah. You, you see now that, that, yeah. that thing. It's like you need to know to be able to go like, oh, okay, so that's the ROI. Mm. Yeah. Sounds like an, like an AI product is so much bigger than just the product itself. It exactly. What about just the, the investment and just what will it, will it yeah. happen? But, but don't get it wrong. I mean, once you kind of get on that, you know, bicycle, Mm. You can take off the, uh, the, the, the extra wheels because then you do have this structure of like, okay, what are the things that we already know? We're able to quantify. We're able to understand what's the impact, 10, 20, 30, whatever percent, the new type of services or businesses it creates. And then we also know, okay, how much amongst this investment do we always allocate to? We don't know. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of why and <laughs> questions around this area. So, um, are there some challenges that organizations should be prepared to face when deciding to implement and incorporate AI? Crikey, how long do we have? Uh, well, yes, absolutely. Now, well, as with anything, and, and let's be frank, I mean, this is even with, well, quote unquote, traditional technology. There is, you know, perhaps uncertainty. There is, um, you know, okay, I don't want to use the word fear, but... I mean, there is sometimes a concern, at least, of, you know, what does it mean to me? You know, this whole aspect about jobs, etc. Now, put aside the right or wrong. The important aspect as a company is to acknowledge that there's going to be um, need to work with the people in terms of understanding of relevance, importance. And, and that kind of goes back to why I kept on emphasizing the, 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 <laughs> the why, the what, and how. Because sometimes... When you do that why and the what, sorry, the what and the why, you realize the solution is and has nothing to do with technology. It's a process solution. But what I'm getting is that number one is realizing the importance of having a solution that supports your employees, supports you as an organization, supports your customers. When, I, when I've spoken to organizations and said, oh, we, we, we're going to you know, get this and you know, let's say displace a whole bunch of people, I'm saying that don't, don't bother investing. Because show me an organization that needs less people when you have more knowledge. Uh, again, I may be proven wrong, but I've, I've not seen that. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two, which is more internal, like uh, we just discussed about the whole mindset of how do we invest. Yeah. Then the third one is who does it? See, then who owns that responsibility? Who responds to accountability? And, it, and, and where? A lot of times, traditionally, it's been parked in IT. Yeah. Now, while the involvement, the drive, the responsibility of IT is absolutely critical for this to be successful. Mm -hmm. I would very politely argue that that's the wrong place to put it because data, knowledge of a business doesn't sit, unless you're a technology organization, yeah. Yeah. doesn't sit in IT. It sits in the business. Yeah. But then is the business ready? To, you see, so that, that's why I would always say 
park it under the CEO or COO or CFO, yeah, where the money is at. So I would say these are the large kind of existential points that perhaps are important to um, prepare, be cognizant. And again, these are nothing is insurmountable because once done right, and again, and, and I'll quote uh, the wise woman in my life, my mother, don't boil the ocean to make a cup of tea. When you start that way, you start with the hanging fruits, you're able to demonstrate the value. You're able to demonstrate that it's not AI washing. Mm. And then people will adopt it. People will, and equally, where it doesn't make sense, people say, well, it doesn't make sense over there. It makes sense over in the other place. Mm. Yeah. So it's quite, it's quite a bit of like an organizational change, not really just about, okay, this is the AI project head it over to the ITT, yeah, exactly. it's definitely more. Let me, give, let me give you a concrete example. And, and let's take the easy one, world of finance. Yeah. Usually in a bank, I'm just picking on a bank, it could be insurer, it could be anything. There's multiple products and there's usually it's organized by product. So you can have, uh, let's say, a mortgage, uh, um, you can have car loan, credit card, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And each of them run with a PNL. each one of them run in terms of, now you apply AI. Now remember what AI is, it's about the ability extracting knowledge from information, from data. And I now understand you as a customer, understand what you want. And I tell the business, no, what the customer wants is a credit card, not a mortgage, not an auto loan. You, you see, so now it suddenly put the traditional mode of operations in conflict with what we're actually understanding from the ground. Where it's not what you want to sell, it's what the customer wants to buy. And maybe that other product that you want to sell right now they will be interested to buy it, but further down the stream. Now, what I'm describing conceptually sounds, well, actually, David, that doesn't sound too difficult, but that's an organizational change of how you're like, your KPIs and so forth. Okay. Yeah, thanks for, for that example. Oh, can, can I give one more? Can I give, it just popped into my head. And then completely different industry. So this has happened to me actually many years ago. Um, I, I did, we did a piece of work which was about predictive asset maintenance. Long story short is, how, how are you able to identify that a piece of equipment is going to break before it actually breaks? Mm. So we talked to, with the director of the time for maintenance. And he was like, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. But I said to him, David, I have a real issue in using this. And you know, me being more so a geek then, kind of scratched my head and went, what do you mean? He says, well, David, right now the board funds me based on the number of stuff I fix. Mm. If I'm repairing things before they break, they're going to cut my budget. You see, now that, and that, that sounds like borderline ludicrous. Be like, but things work then. <laughs> but that's another organizational aspect that, that leaders, boards, you know, executive comp need to think of like, hey, hold on a second. Whether we like it or not, we might be driving a certain type of behavior. Okay. Okay, so, I mean, earlier you mentioned about, you know, when you do invest in an AI, in AI Eventually, the results will show it, you know, about six to eight bucks, you see. So, are there, I'm sure there are, some failed AI oh, initiatives. Of course. So, um, what are some factors that determine if something will fail or, you know, succeed? Oh, man, I mean, I, I, look, I, if I go back to my academic years, I have always argued that we need a journal of failure. I know it sounds very dramatic, but it, it's to learn. So absolutely, yes, there are failed projects. Yeah. Now, now again, whether you, you can always position it like, well, we didn't fail, we learned. Well, that's true, we did learn. But what are the contributing factors? Number one, you start with a tool. 
like, oh, let's apply AI to this. Mm. I'm, I'm almost certain to say that maybe 50% of the time it's not going to work because like, yeah, but the problem doesn't even have data or whatnot. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two is there is no data. <laughs> it's kind of an obvious one. And third one is the organization is not ready for it. Mm. Going back to the example of what I was talking about in finance, I've also seen, I've seen examples whereby it was possible to tell the business exactly, you know, ish, what the customer wants when they want it. But the business, the relationship managers or the salespeople just didn't want to follow those advice. Mm. So then technically it's a failed project. Mm. Not failed because the technology doesn't work. The technology worked great, but it's failed because it didn't get operationalized. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I'll share with you a real life example, which thankfully turned around. Okay. And I, I look, it's a public case. I can speak about it. So many, 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 many years ago, for people in Singapore who remember, there was a massive ATM failure. So we used AI mm. to build um, demand forecasting. So basically knowing when and how much money people want to draw out of an ATM. And then how to basically disperse cash in a way that's most efficient and least cost costly to the bank. Mm. Long story short, we built it. It was great. You know, all the simulations. Wow, this was, this was not even gravy. This was cherries. We rolled it out and it failed. I mean, it, yeah, exactly. It <laughs> failed. And... You know, suddenly trucks were coming back so loaded with money. You know, the ATMs were still... It's like we were scratching our heads. Like, mm. What's going on here? So we did something that now in hindsight we, could have, we should have done in the beginning. We went to speak to the truckers. And we said the guys that actually do the... Oh, guys and ladies that do the loading of the cash. We said, hey, what's, what's going on here? Now, just to give you the context, when we gave him the schedule, we broke it down into half an hour buckets with the machines that they have to go to. And the chap just looked at me and said, yeah, yeah... There's no way we can meet these deadlines, so we're just ignoring it. <laughs> and we just all went, oh, you know, like this massive penny that just fell from the sky. It was like, and then yeah. it was a very simple question. So what could you do? Yeah. He says, well, if you give me the machines in like a bucket of four hours, and it doesn't matter which sequence happens, not an issue. Guess what we did? We gave them back the schedule in buckets of four hours. Massive, the whole project was like uh, repaid back in a couple of months. It was, it was a phenomenal turnaround. Nothing to do with tech. Yeah. yeah. Entirely, you know, a bit of a conversation and process and operationalization. So that's an example of something that was, an, I would say, initially a failure, but then was massively, you know, mass managed to turn around. But there are a lot of AI projects which I would say fall into that same bucket whereby technologically are successful, but just don't cut mustard on that last mile. Mm, yeah. So I think, again, it goes back to how this whole thing doesn't just fall back onto the IT team. No, it's definitely no. bigger than that. Look, just on the ground and everything. It's yeah. the, the problem. It, in, in fact, I would say if any business tells someone, oh, just here's a problem, go away and solve it and come back. So basically treating it like a traditional technology, yeah. say no. Don't invest in that. Okay, okay. I got it. And um, yeah, so I guess this is another question that um, a lot of, um, people are looking into now that they want to invest in AI and everything like that. How do you build an effective team hmm. to go about this? Because, you know, I know that you also said that it goes way above the IT teams and everything like that. But, you know, what are within the IT team, what are some skill sets required? Or, you know, what are there any foundational elements that need to be in place? Yeah, well, actually, I would argue that the uh, IT teams are relatively more so they're not actually ready for it. They're geared up. Yes, there's some, you know, new capabilities and skills from, you know, MLOps, machine learning operations. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I think this is nowadays a standard practice of DevSecOps, agile methodology. So, so I would argue, you know, technique aside, largely, mm -hmm. IT side of the organization, I would say, is more prepared actually than the business side of the organization. Okay. Then to your question of you know the teams, I mean, look, this is this is this is a good and it's it's, it's kind of the million dollar question. There isn't one way. There isn't one way because you know some are corporate, some are just you know a, a branch of a large organization. Um, it could be a very a, a small MSME, uh, medium, uh, micro, small, medium enterprise, or small yeah. medium enterprise. Or, you know, so, so so there's different different forms. Perhaps if you look at it at a macro level, whether the people are within your payroll or mm. whether through partners, let's put that aside. It's a mixed bag of people. I always describe the world of AI as a spectrum. You need the more IT folks on like okay, left or right side-ish, which now it's not just traditional world of data, data management and IT, but now it's how is that set up for AI? Mm. So, you know, cloud computing, um, um, uh, feature model, uh, feature engineering, and um, uh, uh, feature stores. You know, um, um, uh, model kind of factory type kind of setup. So, it's important to make sure your architectural side of the house is right for the foundation of building up. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, you need the people who actually do data science and AI. You know, can yeah. build the models and so forth. And then, on the last aspect of the spectrum is, uh, I, I, I was joking. I call them the storytellers or um, people who can explain. <laughs> it's, it's literally that. It's people who are usually closer to the business but understand the world of AI and data and technology or people that came from technology and AI and all that but are able to translate it into business terms. Mm -hmm. You need that spectrum and that's the characteristics of people that you need. So equally, going back to the early questions about failure, I've seen projects that have failed because the you know, quote-unquote IT tech AI side of the house mm. just simply couldn't explain it in the way that the business understood. Even though if you're sitting it and you understand both big business language and you know tech language, you go like you're, you guys are saying the same thing, but they're just not understanding one another. So hence the importance of that you know storyteller or translator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, uh, we've discussed it, I think, in another podcast as well, but the whole thing about understanding, having somebody to bridge between the tech team and the business. Critically teams, important. It's a very, very crucial thing right now. Um, and I think some young people, some young people entering the IT industry, this is something that they are trying to cultivate and learn. Um, how would you, um, you know, I guess, teach them or do you have any advice for well, them? Well, I can give you an analogy. I mean, you think about, let's say, the world of construction. Mm. You know, also they get paid the top, do uh, top dollars as your architects. And think about what an architect actually does. They listen to their client. They understand what the client is kind of describing in professional or non-professional, abstract or non-abstract terms and translates it into a construct that then you go like, yes, that's what I want. That's, that's exactly what's needed. So, a, it's extremely important to listen. One of the best pieces of advice that I got was David, shut up. <laughs> I kid you not. And B, constantly ask. Um, one of the most, you know, I guess annoying perhaps, or regular question, and, that, and I, we kind of bounce this backwards and forwards a few times, which I will ask the business regularly is, why? And I tell them, look, I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm truly trying to understand, why is it that you're trying to do that? What is it from, because maybe there's something that 
from a business perspective, they're almost taking it for granted. Mm. But that, that thing that they're taking for granted and they're not verbally expressing because it's so obvious, yeah. is that thing that will make it successful? Is that the problem? So A, listen, ask questions. In fact, when I run workshops, I still do that <laughs> on AI, I always tell them that actually the world of AI is about the ability to ask the right questions and then understanding the answers. And if you don't understand the answers, you just ask more questions to then translate it to a technical solution. And just, just, just to emphasize this point, think about this new job that was created about GPT and LLMs and all that. Prompt engineer. What is a prompt engineer? Asking questions. Yeah. yeah. So you see, there's hope for people with philosophy. Not kidding. Uh, but that's really it. It's about the capacity and the ability of asking questions and engaging someone to understand, well, what is it that you're really after? What is it that you're really trying to do? What is the real golden objective here? And then how can I help in achieving that? And then translating it to the techie folks, sometimes who are really just focused, like, oh, we want to use this cool technique. We hear you, but no. Use the non-cool, really simple technique that solves the problem. Yeah. Okay. And um, I think the other issue that we haven't really touched on yet is, you know, the ethical considerations. Now, with all these laws that sort of playing catch up, right, to this whole thing. So, um, I guess, what are you seeing in the space right now and how can people um, overcome it or maybe work together with the yeah. laws to incorporate it? Well, any so societal level kind of questions are very big ones, but if I give it a shot, <laughs> succinctly. Um, look, first and foremost, I'm a big, big, big believer of the synergy of governance, if, if, if we call it that, that field, just governance to make it simple, of governance and innovation. Um, it, when I was previously in MAS, uh, Monetary Authority of Singapore, I always used to get asked, like, oh, but David, don't you think that all these governance and all these regulations are going to stifle innovation? I'm like, no. Absolutely not. To me, it will result in more innovation because all the regulation, all the policy does is telling you, well, don't do bad things. You know, it, it's kind of like a <laughs> relatively simple. So, so A, just to really anchor it is the two things are synergistic to one another. That's number one. Number two, and this is where I do get a bit worried, um, is that I think there's a lot of, let's call a spade a spade, a lot of catch up, a lot of reaction, a lot of Things do happen, and like, oh, we need to put things in place. And my worry at times is that the people who are creating these policies and regulations are not either the technologists or not consulting sufficiently the technologists. Mm -hmm. And I think that has to happen because, A, it takes so long to get a regulation out. Mm -hmm. The last thing you want is, A, it comes out and people go like, well, it's, it's already passé. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or B, it just doesn't make sense. So just like now recently with, you know, with OpenAI in the UK, Europe, they said, oh, we're just going to pull out of Europe. Yeah. You don't want that. You want to, again, listen, understand. How do you put in place requirements, policies that, as I was mentioning earlier, results that we do the right thing? And if there are things that, as a society, we just say we're not ready for it, we call it out. We're just saying we're not ready for that. But then there's so much else that we can do. So that's important. So, yes, the two are synergistic. B, let's craft it in the right manner. Um, and, and also realize that it's important to, to, to acknowledge that actually there's a lot of regulations that's in place that's already applicable to AI. Because remember, AI is a tool. Mm. If you look at the world of finance, it's one of the most heavily regulated industries. So you're saying, oh, now AI changes it? No, AI is just a tool to the same objective. I give you a loan, I do risk assessments, you know, whatnot. Healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. 
There are, however, industries that, you know, so-called are unregulated more on the tech side. And that's perhaps where we need that gap to be filled. So that, that's it. And then finally, on the ethical consideration, what, look, many are doing this, is also the realization that data is a representation of us. So it's a cultural component. Mm. Now, whose culture is right? Yeah. See, it's a very difficult and tricky question. So one of the things that I believe needs to happen is a realization that there needs to be less of a case of like, this is right and this is wrong, but more of a case of interoperability. Trade. Look at the world of trade. The whole aspect of trade agreements is how do we create interoperability? So same thing with AI. How does AI from China can be interoperable with AI in Europe, in Southeast Asia, in, you know, whatever. And again, call out certain areas of saying, okay, in this particular zone, this particular type of applications, no, we, we disagree respectfully. But in the rest, this is how it is an interoperable. Because otherwise, my fear is a, it's just another form of um, superimposing of, of implementation of standards. Not the objective of the standards, but the implementation of how to achieve those standards. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, I think based on everything that you shared, sounds to me as someone, you know, still trying to understand and seeing all of this sort of from oh, ChatGPT and everyone suddenly talking about AI, it sounds like, you know, the big questions to ask is first, the why? <laughs> yes. Um, you know, um, understanding the context and to also just have a conversation with people. Absolutely. Well, if I had one more, yeah. and I guess maybe this is a cheeky call out to all the regulators out there, mm. hurry up. <laughs> I, it's, it's one of the things that is changing the world around us and it's also changing from a business perspective is the time in which things are happening. Mm. Look at the how, well, how fast or how long, depending how you look at it. Uh, ChatGPT got users, five million in five days. Yeah, I mean, that's astounding. And I won't be surprised if you're going to see that kind of rate of of, of growth on new applications or whatnot. Uh, adoption. So, this is absolutely crucial to provide those um, guidance, guardrails, perspectives, be it from regulatory bodies, government agencies, whatever you want to call it as well as internally in organizations and realizing, hey, this is, this is here, this is happening. Um, and in fact, m my call out in terms of hurry up to companies is it's, it's not a question of is it going to be used. It's a question of how or when is it going to disrupt your industry. Mm -hmm. It may not be this year. It may not be in 10 years from now. But be, be certain without a shadow of a doubt, it will. Mm -hmm. So... To me, my philosophy of disruption is, you know, if you, if you, can't, uh, if you can't fight them, join them. It's, it's how, how, in our context, in our scenario, we can use it to result in value. Like I said, be it revenue, services, operational efficiencies, risk management. And you know something? That early question you asked me about greenwashing? Mm -hmm. In fact, to me, AI is a, a tool that can result in genuine uh, ESG initiatives that could be mm -hmm. measurable. In, in aspects that can help in terms of, of, of you know, quantifiably and, and perhaps um, actually quite broad, let's say, financial inclusion or financial sustainability, uh, um, you know, energy dependency. I mean, all of these things, these become suddenly the what and the why, yeah. if you go back to that, that early drive of how do you know where to invest. Yeah. So entirely positive, in my view. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I think 
that's about all the time that we have for today. Um, yeah, thanks so much Thank for joining us um, and providing us with all his knowledge and insight on this topic, um, on you know the topic of AI, start or stop. Um, and thank you to our lovely audience as well for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you again next time when we discuss another hot topic on the exchange by evolution. Bye.